Hello everyone, I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. All right, queens, we are so excited. We have live and in-person Nathan Carlson. Nathan received his Doctor of Physical Therapy from Rockhurst University and focuses on the management of runners and triathletes. He is a USA track and field coach and combines his extensive experience working with endurance athletes to provide the most comprehensive care in the Midwest. His specific clinical interests include the management of bone stress injuries and tendon-related disorders. Aside from patient care, Nathan manages multiple local runners and triathletes strength training programming. Nathan has one simple goal, provide the high-quality injury management and training experience for endurance athletes of all levels. Lastly, Nathan helps manage Chris Johnson's mentorship group, The Runner Zone, which helps coaches, clinicians, and dedicated endurance athletes refine their abilities at injury management, coaching, and strength training. Nathan is the owner of Running Mate PT and Performance. He also is a physical therapist for UMKC Cross Country and Track, so that's how I get to know him, host of the Runner Zone podcast, and manages the Runner Zone Mentorship Group, which we'll be sure to um, include in our show notes along with Chris Johnson and Joel Setgast. Okay. Nathan also enjoys running, cycling, drinking coffee, and spending time with his wife and two little honorary boys. <laughs> Welcome, Nathan. You Thank are, you for having me. You are in the world of running. I, I am. love it. Yeah. I don't know if we're, that's on the questions, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you, like, how did you get so involved in the sport? Yeah, that's a great question because I didn't run growing up. Which oh, is, you didn't? Which is uh, interesting. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so I started... Um, playing sports when I was a little kid, uh-huh. you know, and, and like everybody does, I think, and, and played basketball through high school. And then when I went to college, um, basketball was done for me, so I needed to do something. Um, and I'm someone who likes to be active, so I just started running. Yeah. Um, and I went to school up in Iowa where there's not much to do besides just like – From Iowa. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I know all about nothing to do up yeah. in Iowa. <laughs> so I just started running, and I ran a little bit more each day. And I found out that I really liked that when I when it wasn't someone telling me to go run, which is right. largely my experience before. Um, and I, I really, really liked it and um, made the classic mistakes that everybody makes. So I just started running all the time. And I didn't pay attention to how many miles I ran or how fast I ran. I, I think generally I tried to run um, each each day faster than the last one and farther uh-huh. than the last one. And, you know, that led to aches and pains in college and not knowing what I should be doing and shouldn't be doing and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And that led me towards um, becoming more interested in these topics. And I had a, I had a professor that was um, pretty deep into training, uh, research and things like that. And so I, it just sparked an interest in me. And I went to PT school knowing that I wanted to have a niche for working with specifically runners at the time and specifically with gait analysis. Mm. Um, and over the years, that's just morphed into 
coaching and strength training and mentorship for other clinicians and working with teams and individuals and, you know, kind of all this stuff. And that's largely just happened because I've, I've found an interest in it and, yeah. and been able to read research. And, and PT school gave me an interesting take on all this because of, you know, what we learned there. Um, but that's kind of where I am today. Or if you would, if you would have said, uh, I do some of the stuff I do now, if you would have told me that a few years ago, I would have been like, no, I, that doesn't sound like anything I would want to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we geek out over hamster wheel and my studies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you too. Kindred spirits. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I do absolutely. like my studies. <laughs> So on that note, bridging the physical therapy and running, there just seems to be like this epidemic of chronic injuries, acute injuries with runners. What are you seeing specifically? Yeah, probably just like anybody else that is a runner, knows a runner or, you know, is a clinician or whatever role you might take. Um, I see a lot of people with with aches and pains. And, and you know, some of that is um, just comes with being active, you know. So if we look at any sport baseball, triathlon, running, tennis, uh, when we're challenging our body, we're, we're putting it under a little bit of risk of something happening. Mm-hmm. The nice thing about running is there's a lot of, a lot of good things that happen along with running. Um, but there also are certainly injuries that happen along the way. And, and for me, that tends to be stuff in the knees, the hips, the foot, the ankle. I mean, pretty much I spend my day focusing on stuff from the hips down. And that's because those are the areas that are working the most when we run. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that that has, has been an evolving thing as well, where the way that I go about managing those injuries has certainly changed over the years. And we were, we were talking before we came on the show about this, where um, a lot of runners get hurt. And a lot of times the focus is I ran too much. I did too much. Um, my running form is wrong. I'm tight here. I'm weak there. And, and all those things can be a factor when we look at injuries. But when we look at an individual, when they're coming to see us with an injury or looking at injuries in general, there are so many things that we want to look at to make sure we're putting them in the best position to get better and looking at, again, training habits and eating habits and what are the things they like to do and what their stress levels are like and you know, how's their relationship with their spouse. Like there's a million things to go into. And, and, and that's been something that has evolved for me, again, as I treat people, as I read more research and I just continue to learn that I don't know as much as I would like to think that I do. Mm-hmm. You only learn when you have that kind of perspective, right? Sounds like a PT and a therapist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole body approach. I yeah. Like yeah. What do you feel has kind of led to this? I mean, it's great to see such interest in running, but it also seems like it's gone the other spectrum too, where that is like almost the drug of choice for disordered exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's two things. I think that running is easily accessible to most people. I mean, if you look at a sport like golf, I wouldn't just show up to a golf course and start playing. There there would be I would probably need to take and I'm a terrible golfer. I would need to take <laughs> lessons, I would need to buy a bag and like figure out where I'm going to go. Like there's a lot of other factors with running. I mean, I probably most people probably have a pair of athletic shoes. Like mm-hmm. you can just start. Yeah. So the so the barrier to entry to running specifically is very low. So I I think that we see a, a large uh, participation in people that are active because most people have ran at some point in their life, even if they're just a kid running around um, or you're playing a sport or something else. It's very easy to do, and most people are semi-familiar with it. Um, and, and so that leads to a lot of people partaking in the sport. And then on the other end of things, which is where I 
I tend to see some of my clients and, and patients and things like that is is social media has certainly changed everything uh, in in every walk of life yeah. and and it has provided a lot of good uh, in the endurance world and it's provided a, also a lot of not so good things I think where it's you know I've got to run more I've got to run faster this person's doing this this person takes this supplement this person does these exercises like all these different things where we end up maybe focusing a little bit too much on things that either don't matter or aren't appropriate for us at a certain time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what a lot of people run into. Um, And and then the last thing, I think that, I think that consistency is key with injuries. We we like to look at um, specific things. It it would be very easy if I have a problem to buy a new shoe and that solve that problem. Um, But a lot of times it, it comes with consistent training and being mindful about what you're doing and how you're progressing and those things. That's generally the biggest thing people can do to stay healthy. And the biggest thing that I see happen when injuries pop up, whether that's, again, running too much or they're really stressed at work or they've had a death in their family and they're still trying to PR at a certain race. When yeah. when things aren't right, that's when injuries tend to happen. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and we continue to push that. Mindful? Yeah. That was beautiful. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> that's such a good point of like, well... I hear so much of like I've been sick or something's happened, but I, you know, I still have I to do Hospital Hill or something. My, like yeah. you don't have to do Hospital Hill; right, it'll right. be here next year. That yeah. pushing against like that wall and kind of life is telling us not to. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. there's never one workout, whether it's whether it's someone that's lifting with me or they're or they're being coached by someone. There's never one workout that is the workout, mm-hmm. but six weeks of consistent workouts mm-hmm. might be the set of workouts that lead you to a good race or performance or staying healthy or whatever that might be. Um, but yeah, we, we, we tend to, if something's on paper, I got to hit this pace or I got to do this right now. It can be, it can be hard for runners to adjust. Um, and so, you know, some will just push through and other ones will just pull the plug on everything. Mm -hmm. And then again, that's when you end up just spinning your wheels. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of injuries happen. Um, how can the runner sort out between just kind of normal aches and stiffness and when maybe an injury's brewing. Sure. Because we hear that all, like, uh, oh, man, I cringe when I hear some of the runners, like, that you and I cross paths with mm-hmm. that talk about, just run through the pop. I'm like, oh, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's not good. No. So uh, I'll go, I'll mention uh, Chris now, because I'm sure I'll mention him at some point. So Chris Johnson is, is someone that I work with. He's a PT and a coach based out of Seattle. Um, he and I have worked together for a few years now, and, and we have, we wrote a book together. We do a podcast together. We have um, a bunch of different things. And he's been a huge uh, mentor to me. He's a very, very, very good therapist, very good coach, and a very good triathlete too. Um, but he he was the first one that kind of proposed this framework when we're, uh, to me, when we're looking at, is this an injury or is this something we don't really need to worry about? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, things that I'm looking for if someone says something hurts is what happens after 24 hours? Does it go away? If it goes away, probably not a big deal. Um, if someone is having to change the way they're running because of something, whether their foot hurts or their knee hurts or whatever, that's generally a sign that this is something we should be paying attention to. Maybe we're not running right now, those type of things. And, and certainly if we go and run and then things that are normally not painful are now consistently painful. So if I go out for a run and my knee starts hurting, I go home and you know later that night it's hard for me to walk up and down steps. I would say that's probably on the injury side of things. Um, and, and there's obviously some gray area between that, but those are the things that I, I tend to start with if we're trying to figure out, 
is this an issue or is this just your sore? Because again, for anybody that if you've taken off time from running or you run a new route or, you know, this winter in Kansas City, there's been a lot of miles on the treadmill that people are not mm-hmm. used to. Treadmill. And so I have a lot of people that have sore feet and sore Achilles and, and things like that. <laughs> and it's because it takes our body time to adapt. And if we just throw a different stimulus into it, we're probably going to get some soreness. Um, and so, I, I, again, there's there's always a lot of things that we want to consider. But the idea that runners should expect zero out of 10 pain at all times when training for something is absolutely unrealistic. Because then you just won't run. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been avoiding the potholes in Kansas City. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> my car, too. Yeah. You don't want flat tires. Yeah. I like that, though, that assessment of, like, if, you know, some, you're probably okay. Or let's watch this. Or, yeah, probably mm-hmm. an injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Time to go see... Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Are there certain like injuries or kind of issues that you're seeing more in, let's say, like female runners that I don't, not gender specific, but I'm just kind of wondering if there's stuff that you've been seeing more with, yeah, female sure. runners that you're. Um, I would say stress fractures mm. um, mm-hmm. or bone stress injuries is the kind of broad term that we have for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the The literature would, would support that as well, that females tend to get those at a higher rate than males. Uh, guys certainly get to, tend to, to get them too. Um, but that's something that, that I see a lot of either mm-hmm. as a patient that's coming in with a specific stress fracture. Um, or someone that, you know, we're going through the assessment process and they're, they're either a patient or a client and they say, yeah, I had a tibial stress fracture in high school. I had a metatarsal stress fracture in college. I had mm-hmm. a femoral neck stress fracture, Jeez. whatever that might History, be. Yeah. 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 And so, um, I see that a lot. Um, and, and there, there are lots of studies. There's a ton of literature into bone health and mm-hmm. stress injuries, um, and looking at things like menstrual function and yeah. um, changes that happen with that and how those can be a huge indicator of some type of a bone stress injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say, if anything, that's the thing that I see the most in females more than males. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly see the gamut from, mm-hmm. again, tend- tendinopathy and bone stress injuries are the, are the two main things that yeah. I see. That the IT band. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, yeah. Um, you feel strongly that runners should be lifting. Why is that? Tell us a little bit more. Yeah. Um, two, there's two reasons. Um, so go, going back to the, where I got into running, it was with the idea that I'm going to be able to watch you run and I'm going to be able to figure out how you can have the best running form possible. We're going to put you on a treadmill and put markers on you and we're going to get all this information and that's going to tell us exactly what we can do so you stay healthy. And that again, as I've learned more, as I've made mistakes, as I've um, talked to more people, there's so many different ways that people like to move that finding an ideal pattern for running is is impossible. Um, And and so as that kind of went away for me, um, the the idea that strength training can be such a huge, huge um, helpful stimulus for runners to stay healthy kind of took that void Mm -hmm. Um, and is largely, I I spend at least 50% of my week doing that now is programming strength training for runners and triathletes um, with what I believe is uh, programming that's specific to the endurance athlete because the endurance athlete is different than a baseball player or a soccer player Mm -hmm. or someone else. Um, There are lots of studies that have looked at running economy, which is this huge thing from a performance standpoint Mm -hmm. that we want to improve as we're training and how 
even going through strength training that if that if I look at it and I would say it's not the best, runners get more economical when they when they do that on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. If we look in the literature into heavy lifting and what it does for tendons and bones, it makes tendons thicker. It makes bones uh, more dense. It makes them stronger. It makes their architecture better. And so those are two things that I feel can be a huge component of a lot of injuries um, in that we can physically make the tissues better able to deal with the stresses of running. And running doesn't do that as well. So running by itself doesn't necessarily get us those positive changes that we get from lifting and especially getting runners into heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. So I think it can be a huge, huge helpful thing for a lot of people, whether you're an older runner, whether you're a younger runner, whether you're someone that's had a lot of injuries or you're just looking to get a performance boost. I think that adding in a lot of simple things can be very, very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that runners have a hard time trying to figure out what to do, where to do it, how to do it, when I should be, you know, choosing this exercise or this exercise and um, how many repetitions to do. I mean, there are there are a lot of questions that I think runners have a hard and a lot of coaches too have a hard time of figuring out how to make this effective for the endurance athlete, mm-hmm. which, again, I think is, it's just different than other people. Man, I am that typical runner where it's so hard for me to get in the weight room. Like if I had to choose between lifting and running, I'd do it every single time. And even in like college, <laughs> I would skip out yeah. on the lifting. Yeah. It's hard for me. Yeah. But you're saying if I do it, I'll probably be a stronger and better runner. Less injury. I think so. You'll get mm-hmm. some debate. I-, I think so. If we look in the literature at soft tissue injuries, which is what most runners get, mm-hmm. um, you can decrease your your risk of developing those by just doing simple strength training twice a week, mm-hmm. 30, 40 minutes. So, yeah, tell me a little bit how I could incorporate it. Well, me, but then there's like Sorry, the athlete. Sorry, you can jump. I guess personal, I can. Yeah. Personal information and act like it's part of the – This is this is, this is my world. I, I love talking so about yeah, this. You let me know. someone who hates lifting, so let's, there's me, and then there's like the endurance athlete who's training. Yeah. So – Use me first. Like how, what is, well, how could I incorporate it into my training? Yeah. So me, I am running probably like four to five times a week. Yeah. Um, I'm not racing, but um, I do want to improve on running since, you know, I've had a baby and I'm trying to get back there. Yeah. Go with me. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So um, (laughs) if I, in an an ideal situation, runners lift twice a week. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll have runners lift three times a week. That's a special circumstance if their schedule can allow it and they want to do it. Twice a week. So that's like Um, really fast. Like twice a week, 30 minutes. (laughs) Twice a week, 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, Even 20, (laughs) even 20 minutes. Um, But this is a conversation I have with any new client when they come in for an assessment with me is is about being honest with what your current situation is and what is realistic for you as an individual. Yeah, because I, think that's I have such a great conversation. Yeah, I have some people that that can lift three one hour sessions during a week, and it's not an issue. They mm-hmm. can, they they do it for years, mm-hmm. and you know that's awesome because we get to explore a lot of different things. And I have other people that have three kids and a job, mm-hmm. and it's hard enough to run. Yeah. Um, they can give me 10 minutes three times a week. You and so the grocery sacks. <laughs> right. And so we figure out what is the what can we do that's the most effective with that time period. Um, so Realistic. It, yeah. So it can help you as an individual. Mm-hmm. And this is where, again, I think a lot of runners, uh, you know, stumble is that they they if they do have time for exercises, they don't necessarily focus on things that are going to be helpful long term and they don't 
have a progression to what they're doing, just like they need to have a progression in their training plan. If I went and ran the same route every day for the next five years, I would get better to an extent, but I would quickly taper off that improvement and I would be stuck at what I was, you know, what I, what I had made. And if that's what I wanted to do, great. But if I want to get better, I've got to change the stimulus. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the same thing in lifting where I will get people that'll come in and, and they've been doing some exercises that they saw in runner's world, or maybe they were given by a therapist or a chiropractor, someone when they had an injury and they like think these exercises are holy and they just have to keep up with these. And it's like, no, we need you needed to move on from that two years ago yeah, yeah. because the body gets used to what we asked mm-hmm. it to do. Um, and so for a lot of people, it's can are you doing a squat? Are you doing a deadlift? Are you carrying something? Are you doing something with your upper body? And that's it. Mm-hmm. So the the in the world of strength and conditioning, we classify exercises by the you can classify by the, the the muscles that are being used or the movements that are happening and so um, Dan John is the person that I learned this from he's a strength coach really good strength coach um, but it's out there with a lot of different authors where you know during every session we should be doing something where we move from the hips that's a deadlift or a bridge mm-hmm. we should be doing something where we move from our knees predominantly that's a squat or a step up or lunges uh, we should do something where our upper body is pushing something away something where our upper body is pulling something towards us and something where we are carrying something. Mm-hmm. Um, within those categories, we have a lot of different options. And that can come down to past injury history, what access you have to equipment, um, and what you like to do. Mm-hmm. And if we can plug in those things, I can get you through a session in 20 minutes with three exercises. Mm-hmm. And we get you in and out and on your way. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's not to say that that's... I guess I could do that. Yeah. I could do that. It's not to I say could. that that's the ideal... truck he likes and he'll be entertaining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not to say that that's the most ideal situation for everybody. But the goal is if you look at six months, you train consistently and you live consistently. Mm-hmm. And if that means it's 20 minutes twice a week and five runs. That's a whole lot better than trying to fit a whole lot in, stressing yourself out and either then under recovering, not performing on your workouts or getting an injury because you're trying to do too much. Mm -hmm. Um, And so with my clients, it's always a continuing conversation where, you know, I have a couple clients that are in med school. They have weeks where they have a lot of tests. We can't lift as heavy that week. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we stop lifting. That means we pick the right options at that time period. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of high school kids that come lift with me in the summer where they're not running as much. We can go really heavy and we mm-hmm. can go do pretty challenging stuff. And so it all depends on what your situation is like currently and where you're going towards mm-hmm. um, and figuring out what's right for you. What about a more elite athlete who might be training for something or trying to improve? Mm-hmm. Like Boston coming up. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. So I look at I look at um, how we go about exercises like a pyramid. Mm-hmm. So if we're at the bottom, the base of the pyramid, if we get you doing a really simple programming, do three sets of 10 squats, three sets of 10 deadlifts, three sets of 10 push-ups, and three sets of 10 pull-ups, do that for the next six weeks, twice a week, you'll get a lot better. I would say that's the base of the pyramid. Mm -hmm. So really simple, general strength training. We do that, you're going to get better. At some point, you're going to get used to that stuff. Now we need to go to heavier weights or Mm -hmm. we need to go to faster movements and that we're going to get up higher on the pyramid. And now we need to focus on maybe more aggressive plyometrics. We're going to get up higher on the pyramid. Now we're going to focus on very technical lifts. We're getting up higher on the pyramid. And so the biggest bang for our buck with everybody is low level stuff like that. Mm -hmm. 
and then you just figure out as your body adapts, how do we make this more? The, uh, the, I think for most people, they assume that elites uh, are going to be absolutely perfect with all those things. And there's a lot of people that are really good runners that really struggle with basic lifts mm-hmm. um, or, or triathletes too. And so um, you got to figure out what's the right lever for us to pull on right now when it comes to lifting. And as we get better at stuff, we got to make the things that we're doing more challenging, more mm-hmm. challenging so our body gets to adapt. So much of what I do is focused on that idea that we need to provide some type of a stimulus to the body so it can adapt. And then it's going to get used to that and we have to change adapt something. again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and that underlies whether we're coming back from an injury or you're looking at coaching and how we're trying to peak you for a race mm-hmm. or you're looking at lifting. Mm-hmm. All that stuff works together. Which I can see like the huge benefit of having someone like you versus like I would say, you know, more often than not, I'm doing the same thing, um, you know, as a runner or too, yeah. over over a lot of time. And it's been kind of plateauing. And it's good to see runners moving away from the fact that they used to think that lifting then made them too heavy or too, too big, big to run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are there are certainly a lot of misconceptions about about what lifting is going to do for you. And yeah, the the idea that you're going to gain a bunch of weight from lifting weights is is really if you're running any amount of volume is just not true. Um, your body composition might change your muscle to fat ratio or the, you know, again, the, the size of your bones, like those things might change, but you're probably going to see very negligible differences in overall body weight. And if you do gain weight, it's going to be stuff that's going to be helpful towards you. It's not the, the idea with running is not to make you as light as possible. Right. Um, right. And, and so it, it's about, again, putting you on the, on the starting line in the best position to succeed. And so that's one misconception. The other misconception is that if I lift a bunch of weights, I'm going to have magical running form. So again, going back to what I talked about when I I used to think that I was just going to fix everybody's problems by having them run the right way. Um, We get that same idea with a lot of the exercises where if I'm going to do this exercise, I'm going to magically be able to activate a certain muscle or do something differently now when I run because of what I'm doing when I'm lifting. And again, that's just not the not the case. We don't see that in the literature. Um, the idea is we are we are trying to make physical changes to the tissues of your body so you can deal with training better. So you magically lifting weights doesn't necessarily make you a better runner, but it's probably going to help you be able to hold a, a, a faster pace for a longer period of time, uh, not break down as much as you go into your longer runs, be able to uh, you know maintain an upright posture and stay relaxed as you're getting tired. So there's there's just there's a lot of stuff out there that what this is going to do for me and a lot of stuff that's just just not true. Mm. Well, great. Can you share with us a little bit more about one, your book and two, your podcast? Sure. So so Chris, myself and Joel, we wrote a book uh, called Running on Resistance. This came out a few months ago. It's on my website and it's on Chris's website. Um, and it was us trying to put on paper what we do on a day-to-day basis. It's very hard to write a standard program. So if someone comes in and says, ask me, what's the best exercise for runners? I would say, I I can pick a couple that I think would be good, but it really depends on the person. So what we did was we went through some of those categories that I had already mentioned and say, okay, these are, these are the best bang for our buck exercises. Let's teach runners how to perform them well, how to progress them, um, and, and be able to 
plug that into your training so you can be in a better position to race. Um, because not everybody is, has access to to trainers or coaches or people that are able to do those things for them. So this was a way for us to say, this is our bread and butter. Um, and, and to teach clinicians how to progress runners through exercise, which is another thing that I think a lot of people have a hard time with, again, myself included, um, where we're trying to say, what are the demands of running? How do the exercises and the things we do match those demands. And that's what we try to do with the book was taking people through um, a period of time where they're learning how to master these things. So running and triathlon goes better for them. And so we have um, different plans in there for the older runner, a youth runner, the triathlete, um, about how to incorporate this stuff with access to you know, minimal equipment, a step, some dumbbells, a little bit of resistance band, nothing where you need access to a lot of fancy equipment. Um, and you can get it mostly at the gym. So, so that was, we put that out a few months ago. Um, and that was a lot of fun to a lot of fun to work on. Um, we have been doing a podcast uh, for the last few months as well, where Chris and I talk about all this stuff, um, where we talk about some of the misconceptions about lifting and how to manage stress fractures and um, you know how to to watch someone run and figure out, do we need to change how this person is running or do we just leave this thing alone? Um, and that's called the Runner's Own Podcast. It's on the iTunes store and everywhere else where uh, where you can download podcasts. So um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a fun journey, you know, just kind of delving into all this stuff. Great. Cool. We'll be sure to put that in the show notes. Yeah, I need to start listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, we love to ask um, every interviewee how they live out the fit philosophy themselves. So how do you balance performance, health, intellect, taking time for self? You're busy. You're working. You've got two You're boys. You're kind of like us in male form. You yeah. are. You are us in male yeah. form. <laughs> uh, as best as I can uh-huh. and definitely not perfectly. <laughs> You know, so I Can I ask you how old your boys are? Uh, so uh, our oldest is three. His name is Nash. Your oldest is three. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then our our youngest <laughs> is seven months. His oh name my is Nolan. Gosh. Nash and Nolan. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, how to balance that out. So I am, you know, I, I used to exercise a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I would say I was on the side of too much probably. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like you, you have know, all this time, Why right? Not, right. And and so I definitely am not in nearly as good a shape as a runner as I used to be, and I'm okay with that. So some of that's just like understanding where for me I am gonna get the most out of the time that I do have to exercise and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I like to run, I like to cycle, I like to um, you know mountain biking and lifting weights and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I like to joke that I'm I'm currently tapering for a race that I haven't signed up for yet. Um, <laughs> tapering, so, I'm tapering all the time. Right. Okay. So you know the the goal for me is to that. is to exercise seven days a week, and sometimes that's you know, going for a run for an hour or lifting weights. And sometimes it's going on a walk. Uh-huh. Um, so I try to do that. I drink a lot of coffee. That's uh-huh. definitely helpful. I told uh, Becca when we first met that if she ever learns any research about how coffee is bad for you, that I don't, I would <laughs> prefer not to know about that. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I think that being active and, and I think that uh, that's changed even in the couple of years that I've had in my business where, yeah. You figure out this. I don't think that you can ever have this perfect ideal balance between 
work and fitness and um, family and all these other type of things, but you got to pick your priorities. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's, it's, you know, I got to make sure that my business is doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that if I'm super busy and not taking care of myself, everything suffers. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, you have to remember that yeah, stuff yeah, as best yeah. as you can. Mm-hmm. Great. I'm totally going to use that. I've been tapering since for- my marathon in 2009. <laughs> 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 tapering ever since tapering (laughs) since yeah well thanks so much for coming on we'll be sure to put everything on our show notes so they can get a hold of you and also want to add you tend to have really great little youtube is it on youtube you have videos that show some of the lifts that are oh sure yeah so um facebook instagram and youtube it's all running make kc i put uh i try to whenever i produce uh stuff for social media whether it's writing or videos or any of that stuff i try to just produce things that hopefully are helpful whether it's an idea or it's um exercises and things like that so those are all on my um on all my pages and there's I don't know how many videos I have up now, but there's a lot. Um, but yeah, and if there's stuff that people have questions about, they can always shoot me a message or an email or something too. Great. Or just set up an appointment with you. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Bye, Queens. Thank you to our sponsor today, Sentimano Counseling. Sentimano Counseling is the premier perinatal mental health practice in Kansas City, treating mood disorders during pregnancy and postpartum, perinatal loss, infertility, eating, and exercise disorders. Go to sentimano.com for further information about the practice and services. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. And Hashtag Fit for a Queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, Queens.